Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, right here on Apple Podcast and Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez. Today, alongside the college football NFL guru, Troy Wilson, uh, we will not have the uh, two-time champ quarterback, Luis Bean, or uh, WFA All-Star, Holly Custis, in the house, but they will return next week. In the meantime, we got a big, big show coming up here. We have the privilege today to uh, interview uh, one of the key individuals growing women's American football globally, and that is Michelle uh, um, Rubio Sosa, which is the president and founder of FXX F Mexico, which is Extreme Football Feminine. And she's going to be in the house talking about her sport, uh, the experience in Vancouver for the Mexican team at the IFAB World Championship, which they won bronze, and the exciting news for coming up here in uh, FXF Mexico, where the uh, second annual national tournament scouting tournament is going to take place between them and Lexpa as well. And uh, this coming weekend, division one this season, it will be 11 on 11. The first 11 on 11 format will be division one come here in April. So a lot of things to talk about to Achelle uh, as she comes on here to talk about uh, the sport, the growth there and the, uh, amazing efforts that she's done to elevate the sport uh, to another level and also to a competition level for international uh, growth. So it's pretty awesome. Let's bring in the uh, college football NFL guru, Troy Wilson, in the house here. Troy, welcome back, buddy. How's it going today? Hey, how's it going, man? You know, just, uh, you know, chopping wood and, you know, trying to pay attention to all of this uh, activity going on in the NFL and a little bit excited. You know, this is a fun season for a lot of people, so looking forward to, you know, seeing how the offseason progresses in the NFL and also for women's football. You know, a lot of uh, offseason moves uh, with women's football and also some, you know, some, uh, you know, some updates for uh, women's football that's going on across the globe. Now, Troy, you and me are running around town today. Uh, I'm in the rain, and you're out there doing your stuff, too. So it's kind of a busy day today, um, both then for us. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the fans think we just sit in a studio in a, on a buck seat or, a, you know, like one of those stools and stuff. But uh, we're actually doing stuff out there. So um, pretty awesome day today. Uh, I mean, besides working like we normally do and you get in here. Um, Troy, let me get your take on the new – Chief Operating Officer, which is Marianne T- uh, Tucky, uh, which led Bell Media, and she was part of the NFL Network, you know, in the last year. Uh, this is huge in a sense because uh, she's been a big key for TSN in Canada, and now she's done some great things over with the NFL Network part of it, which she ran, I think, NFL Films and NFL, and NFL Media, which is digital content as well. So um, can you speak to that, Troy? How excited is this kind of news? to go forward with the NFL? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, what it does is it it brings uh, credibility. Um, You know, anytime you can bring someone in with that kind of experience, um, it's always a great thing for for everyone that's involved with it. I just think it it also um, 
it pushes the narrative about the talent base that's out there for people who are trying to get involved in football. And when you bring a great football mind around, it just it, it helps everything involved. So it's just more exposure, for, especially with the women's game as well. Now, uh, Marianne's really uh, content, high content. Uh, if you missed the interview on RBC Disruptors, uh, it's on our Facebook page. You can go there now. She did a pretty good interview on there. And she, uh, Troy, she talked about how we live in a digital world now, how the evolution of the brand has to keep up with the fan because not everybody has the same platform. You know, like, uh, I don't know what carrier you're on. You know, I'm on T-Mobile. Some people are on Verizon. Other people are on different carriers, right? And we're all, we're all mobile-based now. And so the content has to be accessible for them to even be relevant. Uh, it, it isn't like the old days where you just got home and you just sat on your TV. It's like a totally different ballgame now. Are you there, Troy? Let's see. Talk to you. Hello? Are you yeah, are you there, Troy? Yeah, you, I can hear you. Yep. Okay. Yeah, uh, to take it a No, I'm just saying it's further, a totally different ballgame uh, now. Yeah, and, and to take it even further, I think, you know, what uh, businesses are doing now is they're kind of – uh, they're putting less emphasis on their websites and they're putting more on um, mobile content and also for uh, social media as well. And so the game is changing even in the technology realm where before you had to have a website, but now, you know, you also have to have, you know, a Facebook page and a Twitter page and, and even Instagram as well to, so they can reach their users because most people who are using digital content now are kind of doing it through social media. So even with the technology that's out now, I mean, it's, it's, the, the game is still changing just by the social media websites also. Now, you, you and me and everybody else, we pretty much live on the go. I think everybody can agree to that. We all live on the go, right? I mean, if you lost your phone tomorrow, you'd be in a panic, trying to get a hold of your family, your family trying to get a hold of you, your kids, things like that. So the same concept is here, right, because we're so busy moving around that if we want the content of football, Obviously, we, we want a carrier, or we're, or we're going to go and pay for the carrier that obviously has a content for, like the NFL, for example. So um, her mindset on, in, the, in the interview, if you missed it, you can go to our Facebook page and get it up there. It's RBC Disruptors. But her mindset was uh, that we have to evolve uh, to the fan because the fan is basically the product. And even though the football is the product, the fan is the one that actually you know, pays the bills and all that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you have, um, you know, more listeners or, or people that, that are tuning in to watch it, I mean, that's how you can reach them quickly. So the mobile way is, is really the way to go. And you kind of see that with all rooms of business. And, you know, with football, it's, it's even more so because, as you said, I mean, we're all on the go. And, you know, if you all you have to do is stop and look around if you're walking, like, in the metropolitan area. I mean, people are, you know, constantly looking into their phones. So, it's a smart business move to tap into that because, you know, again, you know, you have a lot of mobile users and, and that's really where the content is at. It's, you rarely see people sitting behind, you know, a computer and it's more so even a laptop now. It's, you see a lot of people that are using iPads and things of that nature. And so that kind of goes right along with what um, most businesses are starting to do. We're going with the mobile content. And I, I kind of told you know, said that, uh, you know, along with people that I'm kind of doing business with, is what I asked them is, 
you know, when are you going to come, when are you going to uh, get some mobile content on there? Because it's easier to reach for people to to reach it, you know, with their mobile phone. So it has to be, you know, um, you know, the website has to be mobile friendly. And if not, then you're kind of behind the times on these things. Yeah, and the expectation, I think, is higher now than any time because, to your point, if it's a pretty crappy platform, then uh, pretty much people notice that because you go from the major players to n- not so major, and you're like, okay, well, people might be turned off by that. But, uh, you know, overall, I think that's where we're at now. We're in that stage. Um, that's one of the reasons we went to uh, from Blog Talk to Apple Podcasts because Apple Podcasts gives us a, a greater reach and a larger audience. And so, uh, you know, every business has to evolve, I think, or move forward. Um, were you surprised, Troy, that uh, the Saints retained Drew Brees at all? Not at all. I mean, Drew Brees is, is, is the Saints. I mean, you when you think of the New Orleans Saints, I mean, uh, you know, unless you're, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a little, a little bit older generation, you know, older generation kind of thinks of Archie Manning. Uh, but when you think of the Saints, you think of Drew Brees. I mean, uh, today, Zach Street, he, he retired. And, you know, he got into, you know, when he started talking about Drew Brees, I mean, this guy started tearing up about, you know, saying how much of a leader he was and how much he means to that, that team and that franchise and that city also. Not to forget, you know, what happened when the Levies broke down in, in New Orleans and, and how uh, effective he was as far as galvanizing that town and galvanizing that team and that kind of propelled them to the Super Bowl you know, did the right thing and, you know, not to mention the guys, he's an awesome player. I mean, I think he had four or five straight years with this guy throwing for 5,000 yards. And my surprise, heck no. I mean, I don't know. Uh, if Tom Brady's saying he wants to play for another four years. I don't know. I think I think maybe Drew Brees has another two in him. They signed him to a two-year uh, $50 million deal uh, today. No, I'm I'm definitely not surprised. I mean, he is the Saints organization, and they they would be both well to do that. They were one hail mary away from playing for the NFC Championship game, and some people felt like they would have been favored going into that Eagles game and may have had a better chance with a better quarterback play uh, to face the Eagles in that championship game. Um, so they feel like that they're still you know possibly one player away and. Some of the young players that they had, they had, they had both rookies of the year, defensive and offensive rookies of the year. So the, the it's really looking up for them. If if Drew Brees can maintain the level of play that he is that he did last year, and of course the previous years, the Saints look like they may be poised for a deep run in the playoffs this year. So I'm looking forward to watching how they put that team together again this year. Now you get uh, Bradford goes to Arizona, which I think the, that was just a bad move by Arizona to begin with. And uh, the Vikings pick up Kirk Cousins, which we kind of alluded to in the past couple of weeks as well. Yeah, I mean, I felt like, you know, when it comes to Bradford, I, um, it, it's kind of, I mean, the market is what the market is. Um, you know, he's had so many different uh, big money deals, and it just really hasn't panned out as far as when, when he's on a team, whether it be because of team play, but most of the time it's because he's been injured. Um, and, you know, that's kind of been the, the knock on him. So I was actually surprised that Arizona went after him. I thought they would have probably made a bigger push for Kirk Cousins. Um, and I thought that would have been the better move. I mean, even Case Keenum showing what he showed last year, and maybe the Arizona Cardinals didn't believe in Case Keenum. And it's not that Sam Bradford is, is a bad quarterback. 
he just hasn't been an available quarterback. And if you're not available, it's hard to, you know, to to sustain some kind of excellence or some kind of movement out there. When it comes to Kirk Cousins, I felt like that was the best place for him to go because, you know, Kirk has um, kind of alluded to all along that he wants to be part of a winning program. Minnesota played, you know, uh, Philadelphia for the, you know, for the chance to go to the Super Bowl. And, man, if they would have had better quarterback play, who knows? I mean, that, that would have been – that would have been awesome to see the Vikings play in, in their uh, in their home stadium for a Super Bowl. But now they have a better quarterback than they had last year, at least I believe so. We'll see how he how he gels with their team. I mean, Kirk Cousins is a team player. Um, you know, all the all of his teammates really loved him uh, here in Washington. And so, you know, I think he'll do pretty well going forward. There's been, you know, a lot of detractors, you know, saying that he's uh, he's a pretty average quarterback. And I think, you know, that, that remains to be seen. I think he's kind of proved himself in his league. And I think up there, with the support that he has, with the running game, um, they have a t- they had the number one defense in the NFL last year. I think he's really set up to make a big run also in the playoffs. And I'm just, wow. I mean, I think that was the best place for him to go. And Minnesota is lucky to have him. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I think I think Kirk Cousins is going to do well. As a matter of fact, I think he'll probably have a career here this year. All right. Uh, the Dolphins are either – I don't know. They're just in disarray at this point. Landry's gone, and they're going to replace him with Amendola. I love Amendola, but I don't think he's a, he's a Landry type. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, both of them are kind of similar in, in their stature, and both of them really line up in the slot a lot. And Amendola is no stranger to that slot position. He's been playing that. He played that for, you know, Dallas when he started off, and then he went to the Rams. And then he also – and then, you know, he took a few – uh, lower dollar deals to, to stay in New England, and I guess this year he decided he wanted to get paid. But he's a he's a pretty good slot player. I don't think he's to uh, to the point of Landry. Both you know Landry may be a little bit quicker than him, but he can make up for that in savvy and route running, and that's never been an issue for him. The guy's a solid player, uh, but I think it's definitely a downgrade from Landry. But you know, um, and I'm not sure exactly why. Miami really wanted to trade him. Maybe it was just the availability because Landry has been a solid player for them. He's, you know, caught over 100 balls, I think, once or twice down there in Miami. Um, so it, it looks good for um, – uh, well, well, here's the thing. If Tannehill, who is poised to come back this year, if he starts on the track that he, that he was on in 2016 where it looked like he started to turn a corner, I think – Miami might be in a good position, but they also weaken themselves in the defense by um, allowing uh, Adamic and Sue to go. So we'll see what Miami does. I mean, I wasn't really a fan of the move, but you had to replace your slot guy, and that's a very important position, a very underrated position in the NFL now with slot wide receivers. And you kind of see that around the league. If you have a good slot guy, I mean, your passing game, especially when most teams go to three wide receiver sets, it really puts a lot of pressure on defenses, and it's hard to defend players in the slot. So if you got a good guy out there like Amandola, um, it bodes well for your team going forward. Yeah, and I think a cap space is probably the issue in Miami at this point. Looking at their uh, cap, I think that they were pretty strapped for that, so they had to make some big moves and decisions. Um, what do you think of the Browns' moves so far? The big news this week, the Browns have all teams – Finally, they get something out of it, you know. Uh, but are 
I, I have doubts about the gelling of everybody together. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I mean, they bring in Tyrod Taylor. Um, they went ahead and re-signed Josh Gordon, uh, which I thought was the, the, the biggest move that they could have. I mean, if he's on the field, he's a difference maker. Um, if, but, you know, you got to make sure this guy's head is right. I mean that's the biggest thing, but they, it was a low um, it was a low risk deal. It was I think it was for seven hundred and ninety thousand. So you get a chance to bring him back to see if he can get his career back on track. Tyrod Taylor right now he's going to be a stopgap. I mean reports are that the the Browns are going to take the quarterback with the first pick. Um, so you know he's basically going to be holding you know holding down the clipboard. I mean uh, well the the, the rookie's going to hold down the clipboard for Tyrod until they feel like he's ready. And uh, I think Tyrod is a serviceable player. But just the trades that they made, man, I mean, they've been really, really, you know, uh, getting it in last week as far as trying to trying to tighten up their team. They really want to get that, that first win <laughs> pretty quickly off the board this year. And so um, I like what they did. I like what they did. And, and it also remains to be seen what they're going to do um, in the draft. I mean, they traded Danny Shelton uh, to the uh, New England Patriots. So they, they they get a draft pick back for that one as well. So you know they're willing to deal, and this is um, this is a good thing for the Browns, man. They also signed Chris Hubbard to tackle um, the right tackle for the Browns. Um, so they're making a lot of moves out here. You just want to see where how they're going to go, and, and I really think that they're going to get their they're going to get a, a win pretty quickly this year because it seems like they're tooling up in all the right places. All right, Troy, we're going to. Uh, Talk about NFL free agency as soon as we get off the uh, the No Joke Football Huddle interview. And uh, No Joke Football Huddle uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. Save big with daily codes. Sign up for Zazzle Black for free shipping for about 10 bucks. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can also subscribe to our Apple Podcast. Listen to Troy whenever you want on the go in this gym session, just hanging out. And you can go to our Apple Podcast there. Follow the link on our Twitter and Facebook page. And, uh, you can also go to our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties. Follow everything weekly updates, inspiring stories, and breaking news. So let's bring into the huddle the presidenta and founder of FXF Mexico, which is Michelle Rubio Sosa in the house here in the Great Iron Blitz. And so let's talk to Michelle here and get her on the board here. I'm trying to tune it up here. Stop. Michelle, uh, estás en la línea? Let's see. Uh, Troy, um, we're going to be talking to Michelle here, um, who's actually the founder of FXX Mexico and the president, and she's done an amazing thing. She's the one that set up the team to go to Vancouver for the IFAB World Championships. Yeah, I mean, you know, putting the business together like that. I mean, when you're when you're the founder and you're the leader of your organization, that's you know, a lot is, falls on top of her head. And uh, I think it was a major coup to get get her, uh, you know, the the league to go up there to you know, visit up to Vancouver, and um, you know, just get that experience. To you know, I just feel like the more experience you get playing the game, especially when different parts of the country, different parts of the world, um, you know, that that that. That it gives your team a little bit more experience, and I think the more experience people get, or the more experience your players get, uh, the better it is, and the more exposure you can get, and that's the key, is to get more exposure, 
to get people to kind of pay attention to what you're doing in your league. And she's doing a fantastic job of doing that. Let me get her on the line. Uh, Michelle, si me estás escuchando, ahorita te ponemos en la línea. Tenemos uh, un dificultad con el, con el board, pero dame un minuto. All right. Um, so, Tori, I'm going to get her on here. Just my switchboard is either acting up here. I'm trying to get it to uh, unravel here, and it's not working. So, um, let's see here. Get it screened out. Let's go. All right. So, I'm trying to get one and the other going here, and it seems like the board is just sitting here so let me get her on right now and see if it'll activate here I'm working on it and so um so Troy uh, you know the the women's game has literally expanded uh even uh they went to Vancouver and we talked about it uh they finished third in the bronze and they get their bronze uh medal so that was very exciting for um, you know, her as an accomplishment. So we're going to talk to her here as soon as I can get her on here because this thing's just not working for me right now. But um, can you speak to that, Troy, about the championship? Yeah, I mean, you know, we were um, alluding to it earlier as far as, like, just, you know, getting their league uh, to get up there to up to Vancouver. And I, I just think that's a major um, You know, again, we're looking at uh, exposure. Be, to be able to do that, um, they play um, lot, they play some of their games, uh, well, a lot of their games in Texas. Um, so I mean, they're starting to get a pretty good following down there. Um, you know, the league. Seeing here, they have um, have about uh, you know, looking at the six teams that they have here. Um, uh, the Texas, you got the Texas Lady Spartans and the Texas Wonder Women. Um, that game was on March 3rd, um, you know, and just being able to, you know, when they get there, you know, they're still looking for their first win as far as like the, um, the lady Spartans, uh, they were number six in that game and, um, want to see them, um, you know, Get a, get more of a chance to, to, to play games like that. You know, I mean, just starting out. I think we have a show on now. Michelle, ¿estás en la línea? Sí, 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 aquí sigo. Bueno. Oh, perdona por la, los técnicos aquí hasta hoy. <laughs> Teníamos algunas no, dificultades, pero... Michelle, um, mucho gusto de, eh, y, uh, por hacer el tiempo, por estar con nosotros. Estás conmigo, uh, Oscar López, y este, uh, mi este, co-host, que es, es Troy Wilson. Uh, queríamos este, invitarte hoy, quería invitarte porque queremos hablar sobre uh, todo lo que ha, lo que está pasando en FXF uh, internacionalmente todos ya saben que eh, ustedes existen especialmente con el, la grande este cosa que hicieron en Vancouver en ganar el bronce y hablamos con el, el coach uh, Giovanni Larios también y él nos estaba explicando que no todo el trabajo que tuvo para llegar a, a, a Canadá so Ichel, este explícanos uh, ¿Qué clase de dificultades pasó y, y el resultado fue bueno para ustedes? Bueno, fue un, un resultado extraordinario. 
dificultades que estuvimos muchas para, para empezar fueron 12 años de trabajo para que la Federación México creyera que las mujeres mexicanas podían jugar este deporte, que realmente todo el mundo consideraba que era exclusivo de hombres. Tuvimos mucho que demostrar y el día que se nos dio la oportunidad, pues había que aprovecharla. Fue como conseguimos el bronce para, para nuestro país, haciendo un extraordinario papel en el, en el Mundial de, de Vancouver. Y Echel, tú siendo forma jugadora también y has, has, eh, hiciste todo el proceso para jugar con los hombres y lo, hacer la liga y todo, ah, las dificultades con la federación ah, inicialmente era algo grave porque estás ah, poniendo un equipo junto para un torneo internacional. So, ah, las, cosas, las cosas han cambiado ya después del mundial, es más asistencia por la, de la federación o es algo de visión de cambio? Sí, de hecho ha habido muchísimo cambio. La federación realmente siempre nos apoyó. Había cosas que teníamos que nosotros que mejorar para podernos federar eh, tanto el número de gente, la, la seriedad de la, de la liga, conformar una asociación civil, eh, federar a cada una de las jugadoras y realmente prepararlas para un, un evento como, como este. No es que la federación nos pusiera frenos, sino al contrario, nos estaba preparando para el tipo de evento que, que, que queríamos nosotros en el que queríamos nosotros participar. Ahora bien, ya que participamos y demostramos nuestra valía, parece que parece ser que fue como un, un boom del fútbol americano en México, tanto en la liga como en distintos estados de la república, se ha visto eh, la gana y, y, y esta participación de las chicas en, en representar a su país a nivel internacional, que así están jugando mucho más fútbol femenil en todo el país, próximamente va a haber un nacional y el y bueno, pues sobra decir que hay muchos estados que están interesados, que van a participar, y este segundo nacional pues se, se, se pinta como un gran evento. Michelle, va a ser el segundo uh, torneo nacional, incluyendo Lexfa. Hablamos con el coach Giovanni sobre el crecimiento del estado, porque se supone que ustedes y Lexfa están en el centro del, de México. este ¿Hay planes para moverse de norte? A, a, a más cerca a los, a los Estados Unidos? De hecho, sí, bueno, por parte de SXS la pretensión es crecer a nivel nacional, pero también tenemos conocimiento que hay otras ligas en, en el norte del país, tenemos a la a LFM, a, a, varias, a, a, a varias ligas regiomontanas que están pues, muchísimo más cerca, cerca de allá de Estados Unidos. Asimismo, no solamente en el norte, en el sur está creciendo el sur americano, inclusive el mismo nacional que te comento pues va a ser en el sur del país, en medio de Yucatán, y bueno, pues la intención es de que esto siga creciendo tanto a nivel liga como a nivel país. Qué orgullosa estaba, Cecilia, de ir al, a, a Vancouver y el resultado que tuvo la, el equipo nacional, porque tú, tú estuviste a punto de todo, pues. Y al llegar y, y hacer a, agarrar bronce contra you know, equipos estabilizados como los Estados Unidos, a Canadá, a Finlandia, um, so, ¿puedes hablar por, uh, por lo que pasó en, en, este, en Vancouver? Bueno, pues, ¿qué te cuento? Es, es una sensación 
de muchísimo orgullo, de, de, de éxito, de, de haber reflejado 12 años de trabajo donde en un país donde no creían que la mujer mexicana pudiera jugar este deporte, fue una vez más demostrar la valía que tienen nuestras jugadoras. Es, es una sensación extraordinaria. Cuando llegamos al, al Mundial, pues tú veías la diferencia física entre las jugadoras, entre nuestras atletas y las atletas norteamericanas, las atletas británicas, nos superan en peso, nos superan en, en, en técnica, quizá eh, físicamente son, son muy superiores a nosotras, pero en el terreno de juego pues no, no se vio eso, nuestras jugadoras, aunque un poco más pequeñitas, pues supieron ganarse su lugar. Este, fue increíble porque al principio pues la verdad pues nos veían con cara de que bueno y estas que vienen a hacer aquí no como que no no es su lugar no y en el primer juego demostramos por qué estamos ahí el equipo norteamericano el equipo eh, australiano felicitó a nuestra escuadra porque es una una escuadra muy golpeadora con mucha técnica con un un gran sistema aéreo y bueno pues fue demostrar no solamente a México sino al mundo eh, la calidad de jugadoras que tenemos fue un largo trayecto, pero valió la pena. En verdad, la satisfacción fue extraordinaria. Y Shelete, el coach Ivani dijo lo mismo que dices tú, que no iba no iban a competir ustedes con you know, a fuerza, pero velocidad y tecno, te, técnica fue la, fue la ventaja de ustedes, ¿verdad? Por supuesto, chiquitas, pero bueno, vimos un juegos extraordinarios. Eh, también el apoyo del coach Giovanni y, y todo su staff, eh, toda la experiencia que, que traen, bueno, Giovanni es jugador este, de selectivo nacional, y bueno, con una grandísima experiencia que supo impartir en el campo, supo este, dar esa experiencia a sus jugadoras, mismo que pues el resultado ahí está, ¿no? Eh, es un gran coach que nos, nos guió a esta medalla de bronce. Y Shell, este, la combinación de ustedes y Lexfa es algo de un arreglamiento este, muy usual ahorita, están trabajando uh, en, en poner a uh, México en el mapa internacionalmente. Eh, y a, se dio de forma casual, puesto que somos las ligas del centro que estamos federadas. Como te decía, esto fue fue creciendo de poco de poco en poco. SXS fue la liga pionera aquí en México y le siguió la, la liga Lexa. Entonces, al ser las dos ligas más fuertes, fue fue fortuito, o bueno, fue, fue de lógica que las jugadoras provinieran de estas dos ligas. Supongo que para la próxima, para los próximos eventos, pues ya la competencia va a subir. Al, al ver lo que nosotras como, como atletas mexicanas pudimos conseguir, varias ligas se están federando, varios estados se están volteando, entonces la el próximo selectivo no solamente será de SXF y Lexa, sino será de todos aquellos agremiados a la federación que estén interesados en llevar a sus atletas. Ahora el trabajo de SXF y pues de las otras ligas será preparar muchísimo mejor a nuestras jugadoras para ganarnos un lugar en, el próximo, en la próxima selección nacional. Uh, Ichel, los costos y todo eso es algo de, de que previene a alguien para jugar este este deporte porque es muy costoso. Aquí en los Estados Unidos hasta mil dólares se gasta anualmente por cada jugador porque tienen que pagar para jugar. Uh, ¿En qué estado están ustedes ahí en México? ¿En la misma situación? 
Sí, de hecho sí estamos en una situación un tantito compleja, puesto que nuestras jugadas son son autosuficientes, ellas son las que tendrá, tienen que enfrentar los gastos de la temporada. Desafortunadamente, pues los patrocinios pues regularmente no caen, eh, tenemos poco acercamiento o poca realmente poco acercamiento a, a las marcas, lo que hace que las jugadoras tengan que financiar su, el costo de temporada, sus gastos de transportación, de equipamiento, uniformes, todo lo que conlleva tener una, una buena temporada de fútbol americano. Michelle, este, ¿han, ¿han hecho atento de adquirir algo de, de una marca grande como el Reebok o Under Armour o Nike o hacer algo de regamiento? por la federación en otro punto, porque yo sé que los hombres y los juniors y los muchachos se supone que juegan también. So, ¿Hay reglamento en, en ese lado también o es, o es falta de conversación? Es falta de comunicación y es un poco el, lo distante que están estas marcas de nosotros. este Sí se, se, se ha buscado el patrocinio, pero pues lamentablemente no se ha conseguido, igual porque quizá no hemos hablado con las personas correctas. Se, se ha buscado este, y bueno, seguimos seguimos en la lucha buscando un, un buen patrocinio que, que cobije un poco a, la, a las chicas para que el gasto sea, sea mucho menor en, en cuanto a la temporada. Además, respecto a los hombres, pues igual están en la misma situación. Hay veces que sí este, sí los patrocinan, hay veces que no, pero es, es algo regular que no haya patrocinios y que toda la comunidad de fútbol americano se tenga que autofinanciar. Las universidades, este, ¿tienes apoyo de las universidades en, el, en, en canchas para usar cosas o es dificultades también? También hay un poco de dificultades en cuanto a las universidades privadas, algunas públicas, pero también eh, es como por, por etapas. Respecto a las, a las públicas, este, a veces nos abren las puertas, como es el Instituto Politécnico Nacional, en ocasiones eh, la UNAM nos ha abierto las puertas, más, bien, más no han querido tener un equipo representativo. Supongo que todavía están un poco bien, pues temerosos de que llegue a suceder algo, algún, alguna lesión o algo así que pueda poner en, pues, en tela de juicio su, su buena administración. Respecto a las pruebas, definitivamente no se han querido meter. Cuando hemos llegado a tener eventos en, en los campos universitarios, muchas veces han sido rentados. En algunas ocasiones la universidad, eh, perdón, la federación nos ha, nos ha conseguido estos espacios, pero bueno, han sido de manera esporádica. So, el presidente de la federación inicialmente había dificultades para llegar a Vancouver, todo se pasó y, y saliste a Vancouver. So, el plan ahorita uh, para nuestros fanáticos que, que les gusta el fútbol americano femenil, este. El plan ahorita es eh, ustedes introducir este, el juego de 11 a 11 equipado este este año en abril, ¿verdad? Claro, es una gran innovación que tiene FXF. Por primera vez vamos a llegar a una temporada fuerte de, de 11 contra 11. Son pocos equipos, pero bueno, estamos iniciando, iniciando con, con esta modalidad de, del fútbol americano original. ¿Qué es lo que sucede? Que nosotros al tener esta experiencia internacional con el mundial, pues nos damos cuenta de todas las ventajas que tiene el fútbol americano, de todas las puertas que se nos pueden abrir al jugar eh, este deporte en su, en, su, en su modalidad original, lo que nos permite pues tener mucho más fogueo y, y mucho más experiencia. 
¿Qué es lo que tenemos que hacer? Pues practicarlo en, en, nuestro, en nuestras temporadas regulares, en nuestro México, y formar a las jugadoras ya un hábito de juego y no cambiarlas de una modalidad a otra para eventos esporádicos. Es decir, ya vamos a hacer de esto un hábito, vamos a ofertar como, como liga esta, esta modalidad 11 contra 11 por lo menos una vez al año, pretendiendo eh, homologar lo que están haciendo las, las ligas para los chicos, darles una muy buena temporada, 8 o 10 juegos de, de, de 11 contra 11, dejarlos descansar y nuevamente el próximo año volver a sacar esta misma misma modalidad. Pero eh, aún así seguimos con el fútbol arena para aquellos equipos que todavía no tienen el número de, de integrantes que se requiere y toda la infraestructura que se requiere para jugar este deporte. Pero bueno, es, están siendo como nuestros semilleros para que en un momento dado demos ese brinco a hacer una liga mucho más profesional. El, 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 el Estado está casi igual que los Estados Unidos, ¿verdad? Porque en esa forma nomás vas a poder jugar una vez al año. Como aquí en los Estados nomás sí. se juega de abril a agosto porque se supone que toma mucho más más tiempo para hacer un equipo de 11 a 11 y no tienes el problema de mantenimiento de you know, de 40 jugadoras o 30 jugadoras o, o menos. So, uh, porque todo cambia, se supone, porque no no nadie la está pagando para jugar, tiene que uh, tienen sus cosas que hacer, como verse. Um, so ese es el, el, el plan para el otro año también, este nomás tener una temporada del 11 a 11. Exactamente, va a ser una temporada anual de 11 contra 11 y seguiremos con dos temporadas al año de fútbol arena, que es para, para prepararlas. Como tú bien dices, el, el juego 11 contra 11 pues requiere mucho, muchísimo más infraestructura, son muchos más gastos, es, un, es el campo más grande, eh, es más tiempo, se requiere pues una, una estructura más grande, mucho más cocheo, un trainer, un doctor, bueno, pues esto es todo un mundo que para conformar eso pues necesitamos mucho más trabajo, por eso es la decisión de tomar, la decisión tomada de una sola vez al año. Michelle, ¿tienes una silla en la federación en este punto? Como en los Estados Unidos tienen ciertas jugadoras que jugaron en el equipo nacional, ahora están uh, en una silla como el, uh, con el, uh, la federación de USA Football. Uh, ¿Tienes algo de planes de estar en la silla de la federación para apoyar y, ma y mantener el, el, pues el aviso de que hay uh, este female uh, equipado? Claro, en cuanto al fútbol americano femenil, eh, es mi tarea estar al frente de, 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 de bueno, esta modalidad para las chicas y apoyar en todo lo que sea necesario para impulsar el fútbol americano para las chicas en, en nuestro país. Eh, tanto es así que, como te decía, los primeros primeros pasos para el siguiente eh, para el siguiente mundial es generar más nacionales, generar más fútbol americano en, en, el, en el interior del país. Y bueno, pues estamos trabajando, porque bueno, es muy fácil centralizar el, el fútbol americano a las chicas que ya conocemos y demás, pero hay que llevarlo a otros estados, a otras ciudades, a, a niñas pequeñas que les está interesando este deporte, entonces también hay que formarlas. Y en cuanto a lo que se refiere a este XS y, y en lo que se refiere a mi persona, pues es nuestra tarea apoyar e impulsar el fútbol americano en lo que se pueda. Sabes, Echel, que eres una leyenda en el, uh, en el deporte ya internacionalmente. So, ¿qué, ¿Qué te hace, qué, qué te sientes cuando alguien dice, tú eres una, una de las, you know, unas personas que han elevado el juego, no nomás en México, pero internacionalmente como, uh, como femenino? 
Pues mira, me siento muy honrada, muy orgullosa y muy feliz porque, bueno, yo sé que cuando amas lo que haces, pues las cosas se, se dan solitas, ¿no? Esto siempre ha sido una, una gran pasión en mi vida y, bueno, pues me ha costado sangre, sudor y lágrimas, pero mucho más felicidad, ¿no? Todo lo que va permeando el fútbol americano, lo que me hace crecer a mí y a la, y a la gente de mi alrededor, pues es, es algo que no tiene precio, ¿no? Y es muy bien valido todo el esfuerzo que se ha hecho porque pues los resultados pues son algo que me dejan altamente altamente satisfecha muy muy complacida con mi trabajo y bueno con mucha hambre de hacer más por el fútbol americano femenino okay voy a hacer a Troy a traducir para Troy para que te hace unas preguntas uh, so Troy she's talked about uh, the uh, the uh, experience to put the team together to go to, to, go to the uh, Vancouver to win the bronze medal, given size and strength against, you know, bigger teams like Canada and the United States. She's also very proud of the fact that now they're going to evolve to an 11-on-11 format once a year. They're still going to maintain their 8-on-8, 7-on-7, you know, twice a year type of concept feeder system. And she's very proud. Um, I explained to her that there's a lot of people that are very proud of what she's established Uh, not just in Mexico, but as a key figure internationally for the women's game, as you know, as president of FX Mexico. So um, go ahead and shoot away, and I'll tra I'll translate. Uh, Michelle, um, since you, you now you you have a little bit of experience doing the eleven uh, on eleven, and you guys do the eight on eight, and um, which one would you prefer to do? Echel dice que teniendo experiencia jugando este um, 11 a 11 y 8 o arena estilo, ¿qué es la qué es la preferida ahorita de las chicas? Pues la preferida siempre ha sido el 11 contra 11. Es, es una gran aspiración jugar este deporte. Y lamentablemente, pues por la infraestructura, pues están jugando el, el 8 contra 8. Te cuento a manera personal... Cuando se creó la liga, pues el sueño siempre ha sido jugar 11 contra 11, jugar como los hombres lo hacen, entonces las mujeres también lo pueden hacer. Estamos creando las bases para que las chicas muten a esta modalidad 11 contra 11, el fútbol americano en su originalidad, y bueno, pues hay que trabajar para eso. All right, so Troy, she says that uh, originally the thought process obviously was to come in to do 11 on 11, but because of other intangibles, They've decided to stick with eight on eight, and now, it, after the championship here in Vancouver, the you know it's necessary to transfer over, but they're still going to maintain an eleven on eleven feeder. I mean, an eight on eight feeder system. Okay. Okay. Um, so, with your experience, I mean, you noted that there were bigger players um, in the Americans, you know, within the Americans, and also the Canadians. What was your strategy going into that? I mean, because especially if you knew that they were bigger, so, you, you know, you probably had to kind of uh, figure that you would outquick them, you know, you know placing third is, is pretty awesome. So did, did you know that going in, and, and how did you guys plan on attacking uh, maybe the bigger teams that you were going to play against? Michelle dice que este, uh, Roy, que sabiendo uh, antes de llegar a Vancouver, y, y el coach Giovanni nos había dicho, Uh, ustedes sabían que se supone que los, eh, los jugadores de los Estados Unidos de Canadá eh, estaban más grandes, tenían más este poder y todo. So, Troy, quería saber es, ¿qué, qué conversación tuviste tú con los coches o los coches contigo uh, a un plan para hacer, hacer efecto en, en Canadá. 
Pues mira, sabíamos nosotros que nos superaban físicamente, sabíamos nosotros que eran, bueno, que tienen muchísimo más experiencia, pero también lo que nosotros sabíamos es el, el corazón y la pasión que tienen nuestras jugadoras. Entonces, en, en función de eso, fue, fue coacharlas, fue motivarlas, y bueno, de igual manera los, los coaches de las otras de las otras escuadras pues lo vieron, lo vieron reflejado, es decir, bueno, están chiquitas, no, no tienen toda la toda la potencia física que tienen nuestras jugadoras, pero tienen un corazón, tienen una garra y sobre todo tienen un juego y una estrategia impresionante. Creo que se combinaron la, las, las cosas para, para llegar a este buen resultado. So Troy, she says that going in, they had discussed it obviously because, like you said, they're a bigger squad and everything else, but she said she never doubted her team's heart and how their speed would be a key and that uh, obviously uh, they showed uh, by winning the bronze medal. So I'm looking at some of the, uh, some of the scores. Um, you know, we had the divas and the, and the wonder women to play last week. That looked like it was just a really tight game. And, um, you know, the, the divas and the generals look like the top teams. Uh, in the league, so, Troy, it looks like they're going to be playing Troy, uh, in week four. Yeah, yeah, Troy. That league you're talking yeah. about is a XFFL, and that's in Texas. Uh, her league is in Mexico, so the FXF oh, Mexico. Yeah, no problem. Um, um, so yeah, her league, her league is um, so, encompasses the Vikingas out of Mexico, the um, which Coach Giovanni coaches. So I got okay. I got it right here. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So, what are some of the challenges that you guys are are, are having when when it comes to uh, you know finding the talent? I mean, because you know, uh, so where do you guys find most of your athletes down there that transition uh, to the football game, and how many of them? Uh, you know, how long do you, does it take usually for the players to? Um, to get acclimated to playing the football game. And, again, you know, going up to Vancouver was a great experience. Uh, but how long did it take for, for the girls that you're playing with, well, that you have in your league to get acclimated to the sport? Michelle, uh, Troy dice que uh, las chicas uh, en, en su este país, ¿de dónde, ¿de dónde vienen? ¿Vienen de Tocho, de Universidad? ¿De, de dónde se adquieran para ellos querer jugar uh, el, el equipado? Hay algunas jugadoras que en efecto vienen del tochito o vienen de algunos de alguna otra disciplina como el básquetbol, pero afortunadamente te puedo comentar que se ha generado una nueva una nueva una nueva generación de jugadoras que están buscando específicamente el fútbol americano, que ya no pasan por el tochito, que ya no pasan por por, por algún otro deporte, que buscan ex, exclusivamente el fútbol americano femenil. Pero bueno, de igual manera tenemos algunas otras jugadoras que pues provienen del, del otro de otros deportes, pero ya no es la mayoría. La mayoría está buscando específicamente el fútbol americano equipado femenino. So Troy, she's saying that the majority are coming from uh, either uh, blue flag, uh, if not basketball, but others are just coming into walking into the sport without having any other uh, background in, in terms of a sport because they just they're intrigued by the American football. 
I think that's incredible. I mean, you know, just coming in there with the interest, uh, you know, just being interested in the game alone, I think that's just – I think that's beautiful. I think that's great. Dice que es, es bueno para uh, las mujeres que nomás quieren entrar a, a jugar el juego, nomás sin, sin tener algo de deporte anterior. Um, Michelle, este, la media que te ha cubrido en México, has tenido este, diferentes contactos en televisión y, y papel, periodísticos y todo. Uh, ¿El apoyo ha, ha sido positivo? Sí, realmente ha sido muy positivo, ha sido muy gratificante. Este, nos han, han estado reconociendo los juegos en el Mundial fueron televisados, constantemente hemos estado saliendo en varios noticieros, en, en varias revistas, programas de Internet. Nos, nos han estado dando seguimiento del fútbol americano, uno a raíz del, del Mundial, pero realmente siempre hemos tenido un buen cobijo por parte de los medios de comunicación. Michelle, ¿no han este, ha sido contacto con este NFL México, el, el, la parte de la NFL que tiene algo de eventos y programas en México? ¿Han sido la federación algo de, de, de ir a buscar a, a NFL México a ver si te pueden ayudar? Eh, ciertamente no, no hemos tenido acercamientos con NFL. Este, sería, sería importante empezarlos a buscar. Creo que es un, es un buen consejo. Ya, yeah, la única razón es porque la mayoría del tiempo este, ellos envían jugadores para eventos o, o algo de entrenamientos. Eso es una conversación de tener para algo de ayuda también para atraerles más atención. Um, Troy, you got any other questions? On March 18th, um, what, is, what do you think the expected turnout will be? And um, have you guys received any uh, confirmation as far as like how many people are coming? Echel dice Troy que este uh, uh, a venir, van a hacer el evento del nacional segundo nacional uh, quiere saber el, la idea de que cuánto número de este jugadoras ya han, se han registrado y qué es lo, lo que lo que piensas que van a, a aparecer ahí en el evento de número exacto no sabemos sabemos que van alrededor de 10 escuadras de distintos estados este FXS participa con dos selecciones vamos a llevar a nuestra selección de jugadoras más experimentadas y vamos a dar oportunidad a las chicas nuevas de, 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 de talento nuevo y de edad pequeña para, para acercarlas también a este tipo de, de experiencia. En suma, estamos hablando de entre 10 y 12, 12 escuadras, alrededor de 45 jugadoras cada una. Bueno, pues es, va a ser un eventote allá en Mérida, Yucatán, del 22 al 26 de Agosto se estará jugando el Nacional de Fútbol Americano y bueno, FXF pues pretende ahí llevarse la corona. So Troy, she said uh, there's about 10 squads from her league. She doesn't know about the other league. And then it's a roughly about uh, an, a 30 to 40 man roster on every club. So there's a lot of girls that are going to be over in Yucatan. That's where the event's going to happen in late April. So um, between them and, and Lexfa, they're going to have a basically league versus league uh, national type of uh, event to see, uh, you know, where the gauge is for all the girls. Awesome. 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 Yep. That was my last question there. All right. Dice que mucho esfuerzo también para el torneo. Michelle, la conversación para ti es algo... Ya este normal, ¿no? 
de que alguien está hablando de tu liga o conoce tu liga uh, base a los, a los años anteriores? La verdad sí, y bueno, estoy muy contenta por eso, porque de cierta manera están reconociendo todo el trabajo que, que llevamos atrás. Son 12 años de estar luchando por un espacio para la mujer aquí en México en este deporte que nosotros amamos, que es el fútbol americano. So, Chel, este, uh, en México, entre el Expo y ustedes, han mucho mucho uh, orgullo han tenido ustedes dos, la, las, dos, las dos organizaciones, especialmente ahorita la federación. Este, el el gol que es, el coach Giovanni me dijo que el gol es, se supone que, como dices tú anterior, a adquirir a talento sobre todo, todo el país, pero ese viene siendo entre los entre los tres años que vienen. Sí, así es, es, es diversificarnos en, en todo el país, buscar nuevo talento, prepararlo para estos estos eventos, y bueno, pues, qué mejor que la Liga FXF siga creciendo, y, bueno, y apoyar al resto de los estados a que también crezcan. Michelle, este, en México, este, donde estás tú ahorita, um, ya estás centrolada en todo, tienes uh, oficina, algo formal, están en, la, en las redes sociales. Um, so, este, ¿cómo, ¿Cómo ha estado de la, cómo ha sido la, los fanáticos? Tienes más de 24 mil este, fanáticos en tu Facebook page. Uh, ¿cómo, ¿Cómo está este, el como te digo, al traer este, a los fanáticos a tu a, a reconocer la liga? Pues mira, ha sido gente que, que es seguidora de nuestras propias jugadoras, nuestras jugadoras, familias, amigos, que pues están siguiendo muy de cerca los pasos de FXF. Afortunadamente, pues bueno, no solamente somos populares en, en redes sociales y demás, Atrás de ello hay un, un gran trabajo administrativo. Nosotros estamos conformados con una asociación civil desde 2010. Estamos trabajando desde, desde 2000, 2006 este, 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 gran, este gran sueño. Y bueno, pues somos una, somos una empresa, somos una, una liga formal. Siempre tratamos de darle lo mejor a nuestras jugadoras y eso se ve reflejado en los campos, se ve reflejado en redes sociales y se ve reflejado en el crecimiento de nuestras jugadoras en el en el nivel de juego que traen. Michelle, aquí, en, en hacer la, a la gente saber de tu liga, ustedes han hecho uh, algo bueno en las, uh, en las en los sitios uh, sociales uh, con videos, promociones, promos uh, y también con este, fotografía. So, uh, eso es un esfuerzo también que ustedes han puesto más mejor que las demás ligas. Claro que sí, nosotros tenemos un gran equipo de, de trabajo, entre ellos se encuentran los diseñadores, los webmasters, este, gente que está ahí con nosotros en, en línea de batalla para hacer que la liga luzca, para que, hacer que la liga crezca. Y bueno, dejar la mejor imagen para nuestras jugadoras que son las mejores. Now, este, Ichel, este, ustedes cada año tienen uh, un éxito bueno en el torneo y luego los playas. Uh, las vaquingas, un ejemplo uh, de eso, de campeonas. Uh, entonces, en este año que viene, en abril, dijiste que iban a ser no más que seis, seis equipos en el máster. So, eso, eso es algo este, extraordinario y es la primera vez. So, uh, a, la, a las chicas van, van a estar muy orgullosas de, hacer, de participar en este formato, ¿no? 
Claro que sí, yo creo que están súper orgullosas y aparte hay que concientizar las que están haciendo historia en nuestro país. Es la primera vez que se juega un torneo largo de, de, de 11 contra 11, un torneo formal. Y bueno, estamos dando los primeros pasitos para ser más grandes, para ser mejores. Y bueno, pues quién sabe si en algunos años pues también se podrían conseguir becas universitarias, tener todo aquello que, que tienen los chicos ahorita, pues estamos buscando esos espacios para, para nuestras jugadoras. Okay, Michelle, gracias por hacer el tiempo. Yo sé que estás a, a todo el tiempo andas trabajando y andas trabajando duro, um, pero nosotros queríamos traerte en el podcast aquí en los Estados Unidos porque tu liga es, es bien afecta como las ligas aquí en los Estados Unidos de la WFA y la, la IWFL y también la, la, la liga en Canadá, la WCFL, todos eh, en combinado en, en, el, en la área de Norteamérica. Uh, están haciendo muchos buenos esfuerzos para este, elevar el juego a, a la equipada femenil. So, tú siendo nomás una parte más en, en el continente, so, uh, muy, muy orgulloso yo de estar este, hablando contigo hoy. Muchísimas gracias por el espacio y bueno, pues estamos felices de tener voz allá y, y el reconocimiento que nos dan como una buena liga que está, está aportando al, al fútbol americano femenil. Michelle, gracias por tu tiempo. Este, ahí voy a estar con contacto a ver este, si podemos hacer otra conversación, entrevista cuando se acabe el torneo este, uh, de Masters para uh, darnos una idea de este, cómo se fue y cómo, cómo pasó todo y el, en, en el final y a, a, a darnos un estado de cómo, cómo salió todo al fin. Claro que sí, con muchísimo gusto estaremos ahí platicándoles de cómo nos fue en este, en este gran torneo de Master Ladies. Okay, Chel, gracias. Tenga, tengas una buena semana y, y uh, mucho mucho gusto hablar contigo hoy y esperando este otra conversación cuando se uh, se cambie todo en, en el Masters y también el torneo nacional va a estar este este uh, 18 es, es uh, selección y luego este el evento pasa en, que, en abril qué días en abril iniciamos temporada en abril 8 de abril para fútbol arena. El 22 de abril arranca Patada Kickoff para Master Ladies, 11 contra 11 FXF. Al culmino de estas temporadas empezamos a preparar nuestras elecciones para que el 22 de agosto estemos participando en el segundo nacional de fútbol americano femenil de México en Mérida, Yucatán. Ok, gracias. Tengas buenas noches y uh, gracias por hacer el tiempo otra vez y nos uh, hablamos a otro, a otro tiempo. Gracias a ustedes. Un abrazo. All right, Troy, so that was uh, Ichelle uh, Rubio Sosa, and she is the president and founder of FXF Mexico. And um, she, she played on a boys' squad in the university. She got literally, you know, backlashed and everything else, and she overcame all that. And then she decided to start her own league. And now, 12 years later, here we are. She's put together a national, you know, selection committee from last year to send a team to Vancouver, and now she's going to uh, put together the second national tournament in August, as well as the uh, you know selection tournament in April, and 11-on-11 uh, first season that's going to come up here in the middle of April. Uh, so uh, awesome accomplishments on her behalf over the 12 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially when, you know, playing against the guys. I mean, anytime you hear a story like that, you know, there's – that that really 
will stick with them for the rest of their lives. I mean, you know, she that, that's a great accomplishment. And anytime you can go against, you know, competition like that and, and overcome uh, some of those, uh, you know, the stigma, of, you know, with that, with, you know, women uh, playing, playing football, especially with men, I just think that both that, that, that's a great thing for her, um, and she's overcome a lot. And then, I, and then to go ahead and turn that around and then use her knowledge and, uh, you know, turn that onto the business side of it, that's just beautiful. That's a, that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, she's a, a testament to the fact that you can uh, elevate the awareness. And, and she was talking about how girls now, we were, you know, we were mentioning when you, you were interviewing her, uh, she was talking about some girls just want to show up now and want to play. They don't even have an athletic background. And like, like she says, some, some came from soccer, volleyball, or basketball, or even have played flag football in the past. Now we have actually, you know, girls that just want to show up and try out and see if they can make the teams. And you have to think she had a lot to do with that. You know, I'm pretty sure that they're, you know, familiar with her story as well. And when you, you know, you read about that or you hear about that, it, it makes you, you know, it makes some of the ladies become interested in it also. And just to see that succession going forward, she's, you know, you know that that's what that's whenever you look for an advocate and for you know for these young girls to look up to, especially if you're getting into the game. I mean, that's one that you can definitely point to when you sit back and say she did it the right way, and she actually went about the you know the hardest way. And so, yeah, she's definitely a motivating factor for some of these girls out here. And now, you know, I I gave her her praise and shout out because I like I was telling her she's one of one key one key person in the North American realm because just herself, just with her league in Mexico elevating the sport there. You got the WFL, IWFL here in the state, and then you got the WWCFL and the MWFL in Canada. So you know, American football is in terms of the female uh, sport of it is is growing in a, in a strong aspect of it, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, and then, you know, I like to, you know, join it with other leagues also as far as, like, with the trials. I think that was a genius also, um, you know, because the more exposure you get, uh, you know, the better. And so with that increased exposure, um, I'm just trying to see, you know, when it's going to get to the point where, you know, it becomes um, what well, they're saying the fruits of their labor uh, kind of transition to, more of a, you know, we and we talk about this pretty much every show, I believe, is when you start to see sponsors and you see people that come in and they want to invest in it. And, you know, when you, you hear about her story, um, you know, that alone, would, you know, that would intrigue people. And you want to see from, uh, you know, from a sponsorship uh, aspect how many people want to invest in it. And uh, hopefully, you know, they get, you know, more people that come around and, and want to invest in, in into women's football, and especially uh, her league down there. Yeah, and I, I was trying to explain to her that maybe it's time for her to contact NFL Mexico because NFL Mexico has a branch down there where they do, you know, events with former players and they do training camps and stuff like that with, you know, for the uh, university aspect of it in Mexico. So that was one of my key tips to her is just, you know, maybe it's time to have a conversation about FX Mexico and incorporating her in some of those events and training camps, and maybe sponsors will come from there. So we'll see how that, you know, works out for her. Um, Troy, you were talking about XFFL in, in Texas, which is launched this year. Yes. Uh, and 
so far, uh, the South Texas Generals have just been killing it. Three weeks in, they are just monster wins. And so uh, brand new league there. And so uh, hashtag the Ballers League. So that was a good hashtag. Um, so they've been playing pretty, pretty, good, pretty good ball here. The Generals just pretty much stand out. But uh, it's neck and neck. So uh, let's go back to where you were talking about that uh, before, you, uh, before Chell's interview here. So it's, it seems like they're, they're doing pretty good things there in terms of the first season here and, and the excitement uh, based on social media outreach and stuff like that has been pretty good buzz. Yeah, I was uh, taking a look at some of those scores, man. I mean, uh, you know, the Divas, they had a, a pretty good comeback against the Wonder Women. Um, you know, that was a 43-42 game. But, you know, the Generals, they, they smashed the Spartans. It was 50 to nothing. And so, you know, the, it looks like the, the top two um, ranked teams in that league, they're going to be playing after the bye week. And so I'm, I'm going to pay attention to this, man. I want, I want to see how that turns out. I mean, because – you know, you always want to see, uh, you know, one versus two, and you know, basing that off of the rankings, what I saw, that looks to be a pretty good game. Uh, but you know, as you said, the generals they kind of just been steamrolling along, and uh, you know, they haven't broken stride yet. But you know, we'll see what happens when they play against the Divas uh, two weeks from now. And if you want to get any updates on there, um, if you're uh, a uh, member of Club Burmy. Uh, Burmy's been doing pretty much the post and previews every week. So check out uh, Club Burmy on Facebook and check out the XFFL, the Extreme Female Football League out of Texas. And we'll be posting an update on our Facebook page as well on the week-to-week results as well as some of the rankings, as Troy's mentioning there. And then uh, eventually here we're going to have IWFA also out of Texas, and we'll have some coverage out of them as well. They have uh, over, I think, uh, eight to ten teams in that league too and that's going to launch too texas is just a hotbed for football can you can you wrap yourself around that troy the the majority of junior high school plus college plus uh you know uh division one plus nfl clubs in that state i mean what uh, if you don't know football you're like caveman style but i mean that's just the heart of football right there texas football is king in texas you know, football, God, and barbecue. I mean, so, I mean, that's, that's what they do down there. I mean, that's, that's, that's <laughs> well, I, I got to put that on a shirt. I got to put it on a shirt. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to love it, man. Like, you grow up, you know, as, as a kid, and that's, you know, the football is ingrained in you. And, you know, you, you see that down in Texas, man. So, um, if you're not interested in football and you grew up in Texas, I mean, I'm, pretty much people might want to, you know, check your temperature a little bit. Because that is king. I mean, you see a lot of towns, they shut down the towns, that, um, you know, just for, you know, the high school football games. I mean, the stores are shut down because everybody's there to watch it. And so just the fandom alone, you got that, that, that looks very well for anyone that's wanting to start the, you know, start their football leagues and play football games down there uh, in Texas. So it's a hotbed. Um, it's, you know, that, that is the most, one of the most important things in that state. So definitely, that's a, that's a feather in anyone's cap playing football down in Texas. All right, we'll give you guys the update on Facebook, uh, the update on the Baffa women situation because they had the uh, the event canceled last week because of weather. So you check check out the article on our Facebook page on the update for Baffa women and should be coming up this week. As soon as we have double coverage updates on that, we will post them up. 
And then uh, we have Gridiron Victoria, Troy, uh, in action, down under. Croydon Rangers, 5-0. and uh, this, is, this is the stat sheet. 238 points for the Rangers, 64 points allowed. Big number. Big number. So offensively, just wow, tearing it up. Yeah, that's that, that dude. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of points getting thrown around around there. I mean, so somebody's got to get to the point where I, I don't know how they're going to slow that team down. But then at the same time, you also have to deal with that defense on that side too. And right now, you know, being so, five and zero, they don't they don't look to be slowing yeah, Troy, down divide, right now. Divide sixty four by five weeks, and you pretty much know exactly how how many points allowed that's happening. Not a lot of points. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah, a lot of points exactly. Um, the second closest team is a surprising Western Crusaders. First year in Gridiron Victoria, they are three and one. The only loss to the Rangers. So there you go. So uh, the yeah. Crusaders, pretty awesome, and they've gone toe to toe. I think if we go back to my stats here, let me look at my stats here. Um, let's see here. Crusaders. It was back in week three where they faced the champs. And it was a 40 to six loss, so they were able to put only six points on the board against the Rangers. Since then, the Crusaders, right after that week, week four, Crusaders 43 to six, rebound the next week against Melton Wolves. So uh, I don't know Troy, but uh, that score is kind of indicative of oh, by the way, we're pissed off that we lost and got smacked. Now they turn around and put the smack down on Melton the week after. So uh, uh, they are the stat sheet here. From what I can tell, they are 82 and 52. So they're putting up about 82 points. Nothing close to the 238 that uh, Croyton's putting up to, but uh, pretty impressive. They're in second place right now. The uh, Northern Lady Raiders are in third place. They're two and two. They were pretty competitive the last two years. This year, they they started off their week one. 56 to 6 against Monash Warriors. Monash uh, currently at 0 and 5. Then um, they go to week two, 56 to 6 against the Melton Wolves, which obviously Melton is still, uh, I think Melton right now is 1 and 3. And then uh, in week three, um, you know, they, they get the bye week. They come back in uh, week four. They go 62 44 loss. Pretty tough dual battle against Croydon. So uh, this is uh, currently at this point, this is pretty much the rivalry in Gridiron Victoria per se. So 62-44. Then Croydon uh, goes into week five, 40-0 against Monash Warriors, which, like I said before, they're 0-5. And Monash is basically six points for them and 140 points being scored from their opponent. So you know that that's not a good season. And it's a pretty depressing season at this point. Uh, they're almost in line with Badalona, who hasn't won two games or hasn't won a game in um, Spain. So it's pretty bad. Um, but, uh, you know, they're still trying. Uh, Western Crusaders in week five, 26-6 against the Northern Lady Raiders. So, uh, Troy, the Crusaders, they got to feel real good right now because the two staple teams in this league, the Raiders and the Rangers, they've been able to either, you know, they win against the Raiders, which is, the second tier team in this league and somehow they lose 40 to six to uh, Croydon, but they, they're stake pretty competitive. So um, at this point, you know, they're three and one, they got to feel good. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, if you go into the season and you, you earmark this point and you say 3-1, and one, I mean, yeah, you're definitely happy with that. Especially if you, you know, you're playing against the Raiders and you hold them to six points. You know, they're one of the flag, flagship franchises in that league. And so, you know, the Western Crusaders, they still have, you know, a few games more more to play, but you got to like the momentum that they're rolling with right now. So next week, uh, uh, this coming week, Troy, the 17th and the 18th, Monash goes for their first win. It would be an upset against the Raiders because the Raiders right now sit at 2-2 two and two for the season, which I'm pretty sure they're disappointed with that result. So uh, a loss here. Or if the Monash Warriors can step up and get the win, a must-needed win for them, obviously, because they'd go on six. Um, that would be a huge upset, right, if, they, if the Raiders kind of fall to Monash? Yeah, and, you know, the Raiders are going to come in there in, in a bad mood, um, especially after they, you know, um, they only put up six points against Western. Um, so, you know, Monash uh, kind of might be running into a bus all with this one. Because, um, like I said, I mean they're they're not going to be happy with that. I mean, you're, you're talking about a team that's, that's used to winning, and um, you know when it comes down to it, they're going to show a little bit of um, show a little bit of poise. But at the same time, they got they're going to come out there angry. So Monash, they should be ready. You know, going on the road to play that game, it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough matchup. And I'll just tell you right now, Monash is scoreless. They have they have not scored a touchdown all season. Week two to, I think the last score they scored one was against the Raiders in week one when they lost 56-6. to six. So this is kind of a rematch for them and sort of like they need to get back, you know, to, re, 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 you know, respect for themselves. Hopefully they can put up more than six points against the Raiders this time around. But the, the last meeting was week one, 56-6, and it was the Raiders beating them. Uh, Croydon, Troy here, 5-0. and oh, They got to feel good. Uh, I know Melton is tough. They're one and three, but uh, I guess this is a gimme game. Well, um, you know, Croydon, that's the um, – they're, they're, they have to come in there. Um, they're, they're, they're focused right now. You know, they're the top team in the league. Um, they've been breaking people down left and right. Um, that right there is a steamroller. And so, just imagine, you know, you, you rarely see upsets in, in, in this division, I mean, in, in this league here. So, if Melton can figure a way to come out with that one, I mean, they've only got one win this year, and they've given up a lot of points, and the Rangers, they just, you know, they, they've been dominant on offense and defense. Doesn't look good for the Wolves right now. Um, this is the your, your um, you know, David versus Goliath game, sort of. Um so, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the Croydon Rangers, uh, they look to, you know, uh, to keep it rolling after this game. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll pay attention to the scores, and, of course, we'll update you guys next week on that one. Um, but Croydon Rangers look right now that they're the class of this whole league. And I, I'll give them credit. The Wolves did put up 14 points against them in week one. So the Wolves did come out, you know, and then they did put up – 14 points, and I think they're the only team that's put up 14 points against, uh, besides the Raiders putting up 44 against Croydon, but uh, credit to them for putting up two touchdowns. Yeah, you know, if, if they can figure a way to, you know, keep off an extra 40 points off the board, I mean, it would have been a tie. So, you know, hopefully they can they can figure a way to slow that offense down, I mean, because they're, they're coming to play. 
Um, you know, Corey doesn't mess around. So, you know, we'll see how Melton does. Maybe they'll learn something that they didn't see uh, from the first go-around. Yeah, and uh, Melton hasn't uh, – I mean, I, I don't think they've played horribly, but uh, at this point, um, you know, they've been able to put up at least a touchdown in almost every game, if, and then they put up two touchdowns against Corey in the first week. So, they, they they got ways to get in the in the end zone. It's just, you know, not enough points is really going to be the issue there. Uh, the Western Crusaders, Tori, they come in three and one on a high. They've been able to stay competitive with the uh, the Rangers. They've been able to beat the Raiders. Uh, and now they're taking on Ballarat. Ballarat here uh, is coming off a nice uh, win, 34-0 to zero shutout of Monash Warriors. So you got to give them, you know, give them their props, obviously. They're playing on equal playing field there. But they're able to put up 34 points against the Monash Warriors in week four. So there's a shutout. Um, I just don't think the Crusaders are going to be uh, going to have a letdown, especially now that they're three and one. This puts them at four and one. That would basically put them and secure themselves in second place. Yeah, and, and what they want to do is keep themselves on solid ground. And they want to, what they're trying to do is keep pace with uh, Croydon to make sure that they, you know, stay there. So I, I believe they're going to come into this game pretty focused and want to go ahead and get the win. And uh, they're going to try to get it done quickly. Uh, but, you know, congrats for the Kestrels uh, for getting that first win. And, you know, it's nothing like winning. And sometimes it's contagious. And, you know, if they can uh, string together a few of those, I mean, that would look good for them. And then they sit on one and one right now, so it's not too bad uh, in terms of the record. So this would put them at two and one uh, and kind of overleap and be ahead of Melton and, and Monash technically. So that puts them to, put themselves in, like, fourth place if that's the case. So we're still – you know, still hopes there for them to finish in the middle of the pack. Um, next week, week seven, we're looking at Melton Wolves. Uh, I mean, the, I'm saying the following week, week seven, the, the Melton Wolves will face the Raiders. Given the result of this coming week against Monash, it could be Raiders winning. So the Raiders have an opportunity here for two back-to-back wins, Troy. That would put them at four and two uh, if they take care of business. And so uh, they would have to start fighting for their lives because uh, Western Crusaders, at that point, will, they're going to take on Monash the week after. So if they can beat, get past Ballarat, then the, the Crusaders will take on Monash. Crusaders will then be, uh, I think, 5-1. and 5-1. and one. Croydon would then be 6-0, and oh, based on, you know, our predictions here for this week coming up. Um, so that's going to be a three-way neck-and-neck type of battle because in week eight on April 7th, uh, the Crusaders would then be five and one. The Croydon Rangers would be six and zero, oh, and then um, Ballarat would take on the Raiders if Ballarat somehow can come up with an upset there that puts them down. And then the battle of pretty much uh, low key teams would be Monash versus Melton. So pretty exciting weeks coming up in Gridiron Victoria. It's going to be the this next two weeks going to be the separation of who's going to be in second and third and battling for that playoff spot to face the champs. I doubt Croydon's going to let that let up in terms of their scoring. So I think that that's going to be just, you know, reality. They're, they're ready. And I think they're looking for another title. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, um, they come up with something, you know, to slow that team down. I just, you know, right now I just don't see it. I mean, they're, they're, they're struggling along right now. So, but that'd be a great matchup. Uh, West versus Croydon and both of those kind of, you know, stay on point right now. It's going to be a huge game coming up in week eight. 
All right. So, guys, I want to. Uh, there's some sad news. Unfortunately, uh, there was a, an accident, auto accident. Iris Reese, we want to uh, send our prayers out. She's recovering in the hospital from what uh, Michael Burmey has stated. Uh, the players from La Muerte de las Cruces from the WFA, and apparently she was in an auto accident, but she's actually recovering pretty well. So, we want to uh, send our you know, our love and prayers to Iris Reese out there to recover um, and uh, get back to normal. And so um, that, unfortunately, that happened. And so she's in good spirits, and uh, that's what we're here. So shout out to her and uh, keeping up her um, spirits and getting back to normal, hopefully, here soon. Um, Troy, in Spain, um, we talked about last week, it was uh, the ba- Barcelona, uh, they go down to Barbera rookies 25-12. And then Teresa loses to the Pioneers as well. The Pioneers, pretty much, they're poised. Back-to-back, they got to feel good at this point. Uh, Barbera's 4-0. They're putting up 116-45. to They're only allowing 45 points through the uh, five weeks, I believe. And then Barcelona's 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Then Teresa, 2-2. Two and two. Three-way tie here. Uh, Pioneers, 2-2. Two and two. Uh, so it's going to get interesting here, too, in the next uh, week or two here in terms of Spain, just like in Gridiron Victoria. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of challenges coming forward for that. Um, you know, if they can if they can still – if everyone can still maintain their places, um, it, it'll look good for them. I mean, especially with this the postseason coming up soon. It seems like everyone is kind of like, you know, the upper, te- upper echelon teams are just turning up. Um, until, um, you know, I, you just you wonder if some of these teams are going to get bored. I mean, because some, uh, some of the blowouts up there are just, you know, <laughs> a little bit, little bit out of hand. And so, you know, it seems like sometimes they might start going through emotions, um, you know, and, and you do worry about that, especially if you're coaching those teams. But, you know, when the playoffs start, man, I mean, that's when it really gets real for everyone. So, you know, some teams are just really looking forward to that, but then you also have the teams that are just trying to struggle along and and um and, and see if they can make hay. And uh Barbera is no different here. Barbera is almost as as gigantic and, and you know fierce as the Croydon Rangers in Gridiron Victoria. They've owned this league. They've won I think six out of the seven championships. They're pretty much the staple team in this league. So that is the uh, benchmark for um, Barcelona, Teresa, and uh, the Pioneers to shoot for. You still there, Troy? So currently in uh, LNFA Feminina in Currently in LFA Feminina right now, you got Barbera rookies, uh, pretty much 4-0, and and you got Barcelona 2-2, two and two, Teresa 2-2, two and two, uh, the Pioneers 2-2, two and two, Badalona 0-4, oh uh, the leader in, in points in terms of MVP is Left Dawn out of rookies, Jessica Lopez out of Teresa, Allison Rodriguez, our Nojo football athlete out there of Barcelona, Rocio Martinez, and Sabrina Marquez pretty much the front runners for MVP at this point. Um, last week, it was the big event there. And then this coming week, I'm just going to pull it up here. Let's look at this uh, setup here. We're looking at March 18th here. Coming up here, March 18th, LNFA Feminina. 
Um, it is going to be the battle on the Drax taking on the Teresa Reds. It's a per, must win for the Teresa. Cannot be a letdown game. It is a big, big matchup for Badalona, that, which they haven't won in a couple of years here. And so um, March 25th will be the next week, but this coming week on the 18th, one matchup, Badalona taking on Teresa Reds. It, it must win. Teresa wins here. They go three and two. They would basically put, place themselves in second place. And then next week, uh, the Pioneers will take on Barbera rookies, which is a crucial matchup for them, especially coming off a a two-week win here for them. So that's going to be a battle. You still there, Troy? Hey, did I lose you? Sorry about that. I think we did. No problem. Um, No, I was just saying, Troy, uh, uh, Barbera pretty much secure their, their spot here. But uh, it is a big, big, uh, big win for Teresa. They have to have it done. They're, they're taking on Badalona this week. Badalona hasn't won in two years and still hasn't won. So it, it's a must-win for them. They cannot have a letdown this coming week uh, in order for them to stay in contention. Yeah, I mean, and wow, uh, two years and for, you know, waiting for your first win. That's that's, that's got to be tough um, for Badalona. Uh, you got to feel for that team. And you got to, you know, think to yourself, it's got to be some point where, you know, they got to get off the schneid. Um, you wonder how they're going to do it. Uh, and just you, you, you're waiting for that day to come. Man, the elation that it's gonna, they're going to have when they finally do get that win, it's just going to be incredible. All right. They are basically not allowing that many points. Uh, points against them is 39. So they're playing tough, but they're, not, they're just not, not good enough to win. You know what I mean? They're only allowing 39 points against against them, so they're they're playing pretty well. 150 is their point total, so they're you know, but you know they just not been able to muster a win. So uh, it says a lot for them, but they're they're still trying. And Luis said, you know what? All you can do is set up a goal to win every down. That's pretty much all you can do at this point with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just one play at a time. I mean, that's that's the only thing you can do is uh, just keep chopping wood. And um, you know, see where it goes with that one. But I mean, you know, it, it, you know, I, I know, I, I feel like they're putting in the preparation. It just has to all come together for them at some point. All right. So for Badalona, I feel for them because this week they take on Reds. Next week, the 25th, they will take on Barcelona. So this team right here <laughs> is a, a team that either can upset in two weeks or uh, it's it's a quick win for both. Barcelona and Teresa just to stay in the hunt at this point. And unfortunately, I don't want to say that in, you know, in, you know, just because I'm laughing about it. No, it, I think they, they're playing hard and they're doing their part, but they're just not good enough to win. But for Teresa and for Buff, uh, Barcelona Buffaloes, uh, obviously them on the schedule somewhat seems like an easy win in both weeks. Um, the Pioneers next week on the 25th, they take on the champs, Barbera rookies. So they, m- <laughs> they're taking on the juggernaut at this point and given Barcelona's uh, extensive, you know, work so far, I don't think the champs are coming to lose. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, they're, you know, they're the class of the league and, um, you know, they're the champs for a reason. So yeah, they're, they're coming in there focused. Um, at least you hope they do. Um, because they, the last thing they want to do is, is be the team that, you know, loses to Barcelona. Um, uh, that's the one thing you you don't want. I mean, you see that a lot in, when you're looking at the NFL. 
teams were, you know, going against Cleveland. They weren't overlooking Cleveland. They wanted to not lose to Cleveland, you know, because that just doesn't look good for you. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same thing with any league that you have. You don't want to be that team that loses uh, to that one team um, that hasn't won a game in such a long time. All right, guys, uh, in this coming week, uh, we've had an awesome Snapchat experience. This past week, uh, we were at Snapchat. It was We only had about 30 followers, and the talented Catherine uh, Veracruz took over our Snapchat, and we went from 30 followers, Troy, to 170 followers in one day on Snapchat. Wow. wow. So nice. I don't know if it's Charisma by Mrs. Veracruz, but apparently it was awesome. So I want to give a shout-out to her for doing an amazing job on our Snapchat. And this coming week, we are going to have more Snapchat takeovers. Uh, we have Kristen Moore hooking us up, and then we have a couple more athletes coming up on our Snapchat. So if you haven't added us on Snapchat, shame on you. You should go to add us on Snapchat because it's pretty cool. So um, it's uh, Gridiron Beauty on Snapchat. So that was pretty awesome, Troy. 30 to 162. That was kind of like, wow, that's awesome. Oh yeah, that's a quick that's a quick pop right there, man. You know, you gotta love that. All right, so um, you guys, unfortunately, we have some bad news. Uh, FFFA France, uh, the Tigres de Nancy forfeit the season because of uh, roster situation. Uh, we'll keep we'll keep you updated. The new matchups are coming up March 17th through the 18th. The schedule, I believe, will be revamped. So uh, I'm trying to get some information from our contact in France. And so, unfortunately, I don't have that right now. But as soon as we get that going here, we will update you on that. But the matchup, the next week, weekend's matchups are supposed to be the 17th through the 18th. Uh, so we'll keep you updated on that on our Facebook page as well as our Twitter feed. And then this weekend happened, the Nordic Girls Camp um, happened over in uh, Stockholm. And it was a combination of four federations. And so we had some special special messages from uh, Katie Sowers and Jen Welker, um, Welter uh, to the group over in Nor- Nor Girls, uh, Nordic Girls Camp, similar to the women's world football game type of camp mentality, but over in, you know, in Europe. And so pretty successful from what I hear. So congratulations to everybody at the camp and everybody out there in, uh, in Stockholm. Uh, for the Nordic Girls Camp, we did an amazing job on the camp there, trying to keep it going, going together and then putting together all of it. So a lot of hard work went into it. All right. Um, so the other thing we had is um, the new leagues are going to start kicking off this past this next week. Uh, this whole month, we are going to preview some of the matchups. So, Troy, you're chopping at the woods. I'm chopping at the woods. Uh, we are going to start our preview uh, WFA preview uh, the next next week and the week after. Then we're going to dive into the IWFL, and then we're going to we're going to preview in April. First week of April, we'll preview LFL US, and uh, Troy will have uh, will hook us up with that LFL US preview uh, right before that. We are going to have um, one of the LFL legends on our show coming up in April. I'm not going to say her name right now, but uh, looking forward to that, and she will be here to do the preview as well with Troy. And so that's going to be awesome. So Troy, looking forward to that. And the new look Denver drain Troy, from what I hear is doing very well in the off season. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, that's one of the most important parts, right? I mean, trying to get prepared for the new season coming up, off season is one of the most important parts. So, you know, if they start the that's where you start to really start to break things down. That's where you get your camaraderie together. And Troy, next week we are gonna have in the house um the Dallas elite of the WFA. Totally excited. We're gonna be talking to them about the new season their goal to another WFA championship. And uh, obviously we know the story behind that, you know, uh, they are the Dallas elite and then the Texas Spartans of the IWFL where at at 1.1 organization and now there's two, but we're going to be talking about the WFA side and how they're going to, you know, uh, sustain themselves to a uh, championship level for this coming up season. So that that's going to be very exciting next week. Definitely looking forward to figure out what, what their outlook is, especially, you know, after a little bit of a tumultuous offseason, uh, a lot of change going on. But, you know, they still have that championship mentality and they still have that championship ring. So, and they, they all obviously have the championship pedigree, um, you know, being in the, um, you know, in the championship game two years in a row and then finally winning it last year. So, I'm like, I can't wait to see where their head is at. You know, definitely want to pick their brain about a few things. And just to let everybody know, go to our Facebook page, everything there, Women's American Football, every week. So if you don't know, go there and keep tabs on everything. Keep tabs on all the leagues. Uh, Shout out to all our staff here, including uh, our co-hosts here, who uh, obviously get tidbits and notes from everywhere else. And uh, shout out to Club Burmy, who always keeps us in the know in terms of the North American realm. Um, So, But pretty awesome. So uh, guess what, Troy? It's a girls' summer starting in April, all the way to August. You thought we cover the NFL all the time the way we do, but we're going to be covering women's gridiron pretty much everywhere. Texas, the IWFA, IWFA, and then the XFFL in Texas. We're going to be covering, obviously, Lexfo and FX Mexico in Mexico. The WWCFL, the MWFL in, in Canada starts up in May. The German League starts up in May. The Austrian League starts up in May. The um, just pretty much international to fin uh, uh, in um, Norway, as well as the teams in Sweden. Uh, pretty much all of that's going to be kicking into gear. It's a girls' summer. We're more than happy and proud to take care of it and cover it all. And you're going to be here, so don't miss the show here on our podcast. And if you love listening to Troy, which everybody does from all the feedback we got, you can download Troy on our podcast, our Apple podcast, uh, on Apple Podcasts on Great Iron Beauty. So you can get the links on Twitter and Facebook. So, Troy, you're a big hit. That's all i got to tell you because I get a lot of feedback. All your insights are very welcome. Well, I appreciate it, everyone. Thank you. I definitely appreciate that. I'll do my best out there, and I'll try to keep it going for you. All right. And for the uh, – we don't have Holly in. We are supposed to have Holly this week, but things came up. So Holly should be back, uh, you know, next week or the week after. Uh, in between her Seattle Majestics commitments and um, her obviously her uh, her work, and Holly got hooked up, so congratulations to her. And so, you know, we we're not, we haven't been able to tease her because I think that's what happened. She didn't want to come on because we were, we were going to tease her about marriage and all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> next week, I guess we'll we'll touch we'll touch base on that. Um, but uh, Louise Bean will be back too as well, so we'll talk IWFL, and she'll have the breakdown of the IWFL as well as with Holly giving us the breakdown and preview of what's going to, uh, how it's going to happen in the IWFL, how it's going to work, what their key matchups they're looking forward to there as well. Um, if you guys want to check out our former podcasts, our past po- podcasts, 
um, with the talented Erica Lynn Anderson in Kishi Free and obviously Eric Brown. You guys can go back to the uh, our podcast and then you check them out also on our Apple podcast. So pretty awesome. Um, Troy, the NFL, let's go back to the NFL here. Um, Allen Robinson goes to Chicago. So that's a pretty good piece for Chicago, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, they're they're adding pieces left and right for Mitch Trubisky. Um, uh, so, you know, I was actually hoping that the Redskins got him because um, everyone, you know, I know we we needed a big receiver here with the Redskins, but Trubisky, you know, adding uh, weapons up there in Chicago. I mean, it's starting to it's starting to you know look 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 pretty good up there for them. You know, everyone's kind of loading up in that division. You know, with Kirk Cousins going to Minnesota and now Chicago adding weapons up there. Um, so and that's what you want to have, you know, for your young quarterback. You know, that, that's the best way to build his confidence is you give him weapons to work with. He's a big target. He's coming off an injury. But nowadays with ACLs, it doesn't take as long as it used to uh, for recovery time. And he got injured. And if you, want, if you are going to tear an ACL, the best time to do it would be training camp for his three into the, to the first game of the season. So he should be ready camp. Uh, if not, definitely ready for, you know, the regular season, the start of the regular season. And you want to see if he can, you know, um, get some uh, continuity, uh, especially with his new team working out the kinks and getting the timing down, because that's what it's really about. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how Allen Robinson trans- transitions from going to Jacksonville up to the So, Troy, uh, they also add Trey Burton from the Bears. Uh, I'm sorry, to the Bears from the Eagles. So, Troy Burton, yeah. uh, Robinson, and then you had the staple in running backs yeah. and, and uh, a rookie quarterback. So, Chicago should have a new look. Yeah, I mean, and I like Trey Burton. They're pretty quick with their route running. Um, he was a, a pretty um, heavily, uh, you know, sought-out talent um, in his offseason. So that's a major coup for the Bears to get them, um, you know, an, uh, an H-back type or, you know, a receiving type tight end uh, to go along uh, with the rookie that they had up there last year. That big six-seven kid that they got from um, – I forget the kid's name that quick. But uh, he had an excellent uh, rookie season. And so, you know, you pair him with a, with a tight end like Trey Burton, who is a receiving threat. Again, you just add more weapons for Trubisky uh, to see him succeed up there in the Chicago. Hey, Troy, the, 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 the good news in Green Bay is that Jimmy Graham's coming and Aaron Rodgers is still there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge target. I mean, Jimmy Graham, I mean, he's, he's sort of, you know, Took him a while to find his uh, his bearing over in, in Seattle. Uh, they weren't as, as, as nowhere near as explosive on offense from in the passing game as he was in New Orleans. And now you got an you, you know you brought to a guy that's even maybe even better than Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. And so he's going to get plenty of targets, especially now that the uh, Packers have uh, let Jordy Nelson go. Uh, so you you would think that more balls are going to start coming his way. Packers also signed uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, formerly of the New York Jets. Troubled defensive end, big, big kid, you know, big, strong kid. But he had some, you know, he 
kind of fell into some mental issues and coming late and things like that. And if you think about it, Green Bay got him on the cheap. Guys, a former All Pro, um, so they're trying to build up their roster um, for this. What looks to be a challenging, challenging division up there in the NFC North. It looks really competitive up there right now. So, um, but you know, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers, in my mind, he's still the best. Talent, like as far as talent-wise, quarterback in the league, I would think you know the intangibles. I would put Brady up there, but those guys are one and two. And if you got another weapon like that for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, look out up there, man. I I know that that's kind of like a good combo because that's kind of like an, a Drew Brees, uh, Graham getting Drew Brees Drew Brees back because he's sort of like that type of quarterback. So that should benefit him hopefully a lot more than it did in Seattle with the Wilson. Yeah, and actually, I was kind of thinking that um, I was kind of thinking that Jimmy Graham would think about going back to New Orleans. That was that was rumored to happen, and I guess you know the money didn't work. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, Jimmy has got to be ecstatic. I mean, I know he liked playing with Russell Wilson also, but again, that offense really wasn't conducive to his talent, and it took them a while to do it. So I think if they start spreading Jimmy Graham out at the wideout position like they did in New Orleans. He's going to be a tough matchup for anybody who goes up against with that big six seven Frank. And you know what? I'm I don't know about this Sherman move to San Francisco, but I think it's just do you use him as a decoy, a presence, or I mean, because I don't think he's the same player he was in Seattle, but he still has durability. So is that why the Niners took Richard Sherman? Well, he's coming off an Achilles injury. And um, I think what the 49ers did was they sold Richard Sherman the fact that, hey, look, you get a chance to play against a team twice that cut you. And being that Richard Sherman is as competitive as he is, no one else is going to be able to offer him that, especially with the Rams already tying up two two, uh, top corners of free agency this year uh, via trade. And um, so San Francisco – added that to him, not to mention they still have Ankila Witherspoon, who is a very unknown corner, but he is an excellent, excellent football player. And you pair those two in a corner, you need to have in, in nowadays NFL, you need to have two solid boundary corners. And, of course, you need a, a guy that can play the slot. And so Jaquiski Tart, um, he may be kind of going back and forth in between, in, um, you know, playing the slot and um, – it looks like San Francisco is really getting that defense together. You got to wonder if some of those, uh, you know, some of the young guys that's, that's uh, playing on that defense and whether or not he's going to get his head together. Um, but you know what? They look good right now at the cornerback position. So if Richard Sherman can come back from that Achilles injury, and again, most players nowadays, if you have that Achilles injury, you can still come back and play depending upon when it when it happened. And I think his happened like midseason. But if he's healthy for um, the beginning of the season, I don't think it would be an issue, not to mention the San Francisco 49ers have, you know, the former defensive coordinator down there in Seattle. He knows him. He knows what his strengths are. And so they're looking forward to probably still playing that cover three defense that Richard Sherman is comfortable in playing. And that's what it's really about. If you're playing in a scheme that's conducive to your talent, you know, it, it it looks good for them. And so I think it was a great move for them to pick it up because there is familiarity. And, again, he's going to be pretty motivated to play the Seahawks twice a year. Uh, Sammy Watkins lands in Kansas City. Alex Smith is in Washington. Um, 
what do you think uh, the Chiefs are – strategy is here just to through the draft or they're just going to try to pick up a couple key pieces to kind of sustain themselves well you know at the what the wide receiver position uh with kansas city i mean you got Tariq hill and now you got sammy Watkins. i mean both of those guys are absolute burners and so um what you you know they're going to they're going to try to get the ball deep. and now now that alex smith has been traded you're moving Patrick Mahomes to the starting quarterback position. And they were raving about this kid all training camp. And then you also saw him play um, a lot of the snaps in the third and final preseason games uh, with Kansas City. And I think really that's what Kansas City thinking. We can go ahead and, and uh, get rid of him. And I think this kid has really got a huge arm. I mean, throwing the ball 80 yards, you know, the way he, he's a cannon off. So you got two deep threats out there. He's not going to be able to. So nobody can overthrow Tariq. I mean, guy, he, he's got to be the fastest uh, uh, wide receiver in the league. Sammy Watkins is right behind him. If they can get more big plays out of them, and then they still have their running game going, um, they're, they're going to be tight, man. I mean, they're going to be a really good thing. But you have to also wonder how that defense is going to look. Time behind the league, how gone. Um, you also traded your your, your best uh, cornerback. You traded him to the L.A. Rams. So how's that going to look for, you know, Kansas City? But, you know, it looks like they're going to try to score a whole lot of points to keep, um, keep everything going. I'm, I'm pretty confident that Patrick Mahomes is going to be a very good quarterback for them. It all, you know, depends, of course. But you have to trust Andy Reid and his pedigree with growing a quarterback. So he's in good hands over there in Kansas City. All right, you got Malcolm Butler, Troy, goes to the Titans. You got a, uh, let's say a, a Mike Averill there as well, former from the past, and you get Logan Ryan. So uh, is are the Titans looking forward to sort of a stability pat, Patriots type of team here in terms of pieces? Yeah, I mean, they, they added, you know, some – they added some really good pieces. Uh, I mean, they want to go ahead and pack down that defense. Um uh, and they also wanted to. They want. They, they still need to put some some uh, pieces around. Um, you still want to put some pieces around your, your quarterback. And they also went ahead and picked up a running back. Um, I forgot the kid's name. Uh, they just picked him up from uh, New England. So he's he's coming in there, and you know, so they they really want to add some pieces down there. Uh, Deion Lewis, that's right. So they just added Deion Lewis to a four-year contract. So he's going to split time in the backfield. So they really want to have some pieces down there to the tight. They want to build on that that playoff um, that playoff games, um, you know, that playoff appearance, you know, winning one game and then going on to the next round. They want to see if they can build off of that. And it all really just depends on how many, you know, getting as many weapons as you can in there, especially on the defensive side of the ball and surrounding your quarterback with weapons also. So, Everyone is looking to kind of, you know, this is this is the the time of year where you start, you know, adding these pieces and everyone's starting to say to themselves, you know what, we're really starting to put this together. Of course, most of these things depend upon injuries. But, you know, everyone's pretty excited right now. If you're an NFL fan, your team is adding pieces up there. This is the exciting part. It's like Christmas Day, really, opening new gifts. <laughs> That's what you always attribute that to. I, so, you know. I'm excited for Denver Broncos West in Los Angeles. 
I could see that already happening <laughs> on the defensive side. I'm totally stoked. I could not be when I when I heard all the news, I'm like, yes, finally. A solid D. That's gonna be awesome to kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, you got Marcus Peters and Keith Tlaib. I mean, man, you got some solid bookends. I mean, you lost Tremaine Johnson. He went to the Jets. Um, but you know what? I think that Morton makes up for it by getting a guy like Marcus Peters, who, you know, if he keeps his head straight, I mean, this guy is one of the best players. Um, he's one of the best players, period, in the NFL. And so um, they look good right there on the, on the, on the corner, and they're, and they're already adding pieces to an already strong defense. And they could afford to lose um, – they could afford to lose a wide receiver because I felt like that, you know, he was really their fifth wide receiver. Um, you know, this, um, you know, as far as like catches um, and, and receiving yards, Sammy Watkins was. So if you lose your fifth leading wide receiver and you didn't really have to pay him, you know, I think they will, you know, find a way to replace him, especially the way that, you know, their offense performed last year. And Gurley, you know, should have been, in my opinion, was he? I think he was a runner-up for the MVP. But um, you know, they had a great season, man. So you just hope definitely they want to build on that. I mean, because they were one of the most exciting teams in the NFL to watch. That that Eagles game really stood out, and it kind of put them on the map because I think that was one of their first nationally televised games, and they really showed what they can do on um, on on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, you already know they're pretty strong on defense. But, man, they, they really got a good future ahead of them. I mean, the Rams, it looks like they're coming back to prominence really quickly. I love the coach, Troy. You know, I, I think I've repeated that several times. But uh, I think he's he's going to do great if he seems like he's very passionate and wants to be very successful. So, hopefully, that's, you know, it keeps going that way. Yeah, and he's a young guy too, man. So I think he kind of, you know, he can gel with those with those kids in the locker room. I mean, he's pretty much their age, man. <laughs> so, you know, you you really uh, you love the, the you know the atmosphere that they created, and you you mix that with young coaches, and then of course you got Son of Bum over there on the defensive side of the coach. I mean, defensive side of the ball. And he's adding that, you know, that moxie, and he also has a lot to, you know, a lot of experience that uh, McVay can, can um, you know, lean on if he needs that experience. So I think they have a well-rounded locker room, well-rounded coaching staff. And, you know, when they open that building in, um, I guess it's, what, 2019 and 2020 when they open, uh, you know, their new stadium, man, that thing is going to be looking like, I mean, it looks like a spaceship already, man. So they're going to open that thing with a boom, hopefully, because it looks like they're going to be around for years to come. Yeah, I'm excited. Um getting my season tickets going here soon and check it out up there in Los Angeles because that's it's going to be awesome to, to watch them play. It's not just the stadium, but if they can maintain this type of, uh, you know, somewhat of consistency, it's going to be great to watch uh, Rams football. Obviously, it hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah, it's looking good, man. It's looking good. I mean, at, at, you know, beginning of the season, you know, people were kind of questioning whether or not it was a good move. You know, with the Rams, kind of, they started off okay. Uh, San Diego started off slow, you know, a little bit slower. But both of those teams toward the end of the season, they just started to play like juggernauts, man. And um, now the NFL is pretty happy that that happened, especially being in the second biggest market in, in, the, uh, in the nation. 
and for both of those teams to have that, that kind of success out there, that's a that's a great thing for the league. You know, it's already a cash cow as it is. That just, you know, only bolsters that even more. All right, Troy, uh, next week we're going to have, obviously, more surprises. we got the uh, NFL free agency coming up. you got the draft coming up in the next two weeks. So a lot of homework to do, try to dissect everything, uh, try to get to the draft in the next – this week or next week, kind of figure out who's going to take who number one in terms of the top ten. And we'll have Holly and uh, hopefully Luis here back again. Uh, and then we'll talk, touch base on that. But uh, any surprises besides what we just talked about, Troy, that you can throw out to our listeners besides the, the you know, the ones that we mentioned today that in terms of free agency? You know, um, the, the, one, of the, one of the biggest things um, that I saw that, that kind of shocked me was with my, my team were, was when the Redskins traded for Alex Smith. I was, I was shocked. I mean, so it, it it was they needed to solidify the quarterback position. They needed to get somebody reliable there, um, and you know they they ended up you know making that happen. Demarco Murray being released by the Titans, not necessarily a surprise, um, but him being a free agent right now, I would say you know free agent wise, he's probably the top running back available. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is not available right now. He's got the franchise tag on him. He's threatening to sit out. He initially. Uh, threatening to set up the season. Um, but I think he'll end up go ahead and he'll sign the tender, um, you know, so he can go ahead and play under that franchise tag and, you know, hopefully under good faith they can work out a long-term deal. But I would not be surprised if, you know, they just go into that this this final year as a one-year deal and if, if, if they don't work out the deal by the beginning of the season, I just think with Leon Bell being a unrestricted free agent next year, and if you're an NFL player and you're one of the top ones, that is a great thing because you're going to get a windfall of cash out there by somebody. And so that is some of the things that I was uh, a little bit surprised about, but nothing too shocking out there. All right. So, Troy, uh, it's going to be a great week uh, coming up here because, you know, we're going to get a lot of more free agency frenzy stuff and no more big names coming up in terms of, you know, who's coming, who's going. Check us out on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Stay up to date on Twitter. Weekly updates, uh, daily uh, health tips, and NFL updates as well. So follow us at Gridiron Beauty on, on Twitter. You can go to our Facebook page right now. You can get weekly updates, inspiring stories, and all kinds of other news that's happening in women's American football. Don't forget to add us up on Snapchat at Snapchat under Gridiron Beauty for talented athletes doing takeovers and some no-joke football gear specials as well. So go to our shop at No Joke Football Shop on Zazzle. Daily codes, save up to $9 if you do Zazzle Black for free shipping for the year. Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. And you can subscribe to our podcast right here on Black Talk Radio and at uh, Apple Podcasts. Check it out. You can download over 200 episodes, including uh, this one today. And we want to thank our special guest today, the uh, Presidenta and founder of F. XF Mexico. Um, that's Michelle Rubio Sosa for coming on and enlightening us on the women's American football game in Mexico. And it's uh, obviously it's growth and they're excited to go 11 on 11 this April. They're getting their na- second national championship tournament scheduled for August. So pretty awesome news there as well. And uh, so Troy, it's been a pretty awesome show. Uh, 
got to meet an extraordinary woman that has put together over 12 years an amazing league in Mexico. Yeah, absolutely great cast, you know, and, and best of luck to her going forward, you know, and advocate for the game and uh, advocate for young ladies out there to do anything, really, not just playing football and not just playing sports, but just in general, just, uh, you know, um, you know, making it through um, and doing it really the hard way, the tough way to go about it. So for uh, Troy Wilson and uh, the absent Holly Custis and Luis Bean, this is Oscar Lopez. Just uh, saying we'll catch you here next week as we have the Dallas Elite in the house to talk about WFA football next week and uh, more stories and news. You can also go to our Instagram. And if you haven't gone to our YouTube channel, go to YouTube now, youtube.com for Saskatoon Beauties. You can check out all the shared videos of amazing women playing American football globally. So check it out on our YouTube channel. So, Troy, catch you here next week. Thanks for making the time. And then we will see the Dallas Elite next week in terms of what's going on for the WFA 2018 season. Have a great night, everybody.